You are listening to Randall Parker's Film Club with me, Randall Parker. On today's podcast, we will be reviewing two films. One film from the list of greatest films of all time called Man Bart's Dog and another film that's been requested by a listener called That's My Boy. We'll have a few of emails, a film face-off, a couple of other treats for you, including a revamp section of the podcast. But a bit more about that later on. But firstly, sorry about the delay in bringing out this new episode, but until recently, I've been at work at Wyden Bailey Fabrications. Now, unfortunately, due to circumstances beyond my control, I've had to be put on something called emergency permanent furlough, which basically means I still work for Wyden Bailey Fabrication, but I don't go in and I still get 80% of my wages. It's not something I've heard of before, the emergency permanent furlough. I even searched for it on Google, but Mr White told me that it's a new thing and I'm probably the first person in the country to be put on it. He did assure me, though, it had nothing to do with the health and safety executive being called in after the sad passing of Robot Robert in what is now being referred to as Incident 495-4217-842-D. But not to worry, it's left me diary wide open and I can continue with Randall Parker's Film Club, or RPFC as a few people are calling it now. It's got a nice ring to it, that, hasn't it? RPFC. Randall Parker's Film Fact. When asked if when Han Solo turned up in The Rises of the Skywalkers, he was a Force Ghost, Alison Ford replied with, I don't know what a Force Ghost is, and I don't fucking care. Randall Parker's Film Fact. If any of you give a flying shit, uh, me mum and Mr White have set a date for the wedding, Saturday the 11th of December, which is only about four or five weeks away now. So that's currently all they're fucking banging on about. Now they're having it at St Chad's Church, which backs onto the old chemical works, and coincidentally is the same church whose vicar mum killed that time. Just shows you that religion is all about forgiveness, doesn't it? Especially when Mr White bungs you a nice tidy sum to smooth things over. The new vicar, Sharon, came round to visit Mum and Mr White the other day and funnily enough, she used to be in the year above me at high school. And when Mr White said to her, do you remember Randall? She goes, oh yes, everyone remembers Randall. I do hope she wasn't referring to the time in my third year when the elastic went in my shorts on sports day. Made the local radio news, that did. She did ask me my opinions on the sanctity of marriage, but I said to her, it's very nice of her to offer, but we barely know each other and she's not really my type. But that's all by the by. The church is booked, and to tell you the truth, I'm quite looking forward to getting it out of the way, as it's been the main topic of conversation round here, and it's getting right on my fucking pip. Mum seems to have spent the last few weeks preparing for the wedding by crunching away through jar upon jar of pickled onions. It's the latest craze since the doctors told her she was allergic to bananas. Mr White's even bought her a special fork. He really shouldn't be encouraging her. She's making a right mess of the bog. Emails. Right, so on to emails. Now, my mate Ken has managed to whack me up a filter on the emails and it ensures that all the emails are now 100% Raymond Cress free. Now, if you don't know, Raymond Cress is an 87-year-old troll who's been sending me fake emails. Our Raymond lives up in Leeds and according to BBC Weather, they're going to have a bit of a cold snap over the next few days, so fingers crossed that our Ray's heating packs up and he don't make it through. So on to our first email and it goes, Dear Randall, I recently pitched my magnum opus to Netflix, a high-concept what-if thriller set in a world where Tracy Emin actually has enough pride to make her fucking bed in the morning. Emin was going to be played by Rafe Spall, with Rita Ora in heavy prosthetics playing Charles Sarchi. 
I hadn't actually considered the plot, but thought nothing of it as a lack of plot never deterred Netflix before. Three minutes into the meeting, I find myself being ejected from Netflix HQ by three large gender-fluid security guards, each called Janine. My question is this, how do you bounce back from your setbacks, and would you be interested in boarding my project? Craig Bumpf, Kings Lynn. Well, as you can imagine, when this dropped in the old inbox, the first thing I did was run it through the Raymond Crest filter, and I'm pleased to say it's 100% legit. Well, onto the first part of your question, how do I bounce back from my setbacks? Well, normally I find that if I lock myself away in my bedroom with a large amount of snacks and nick them, and only come out for the occasional piss, that works a fucking treat. Failing this, I just usually draw up a revenge scenario in my head, usually ending up with the slain of those who've wronged me, and this works equally as well. As for boarding your project, I assume you're suggesting that I help you finance your film. But unfortunately, I'm currently only on 80% of my normal pay, so I'm going to have to give it a pass, but I wish you all the best for the future. Do keep me updated on how you get on raising the appropriate financing, and put me down for a ticket when it comes out. Sounds a proper treat, that does. Next email goes, Dear Randall, love the podcast. What is your favourite chocolate bar? Best wishes, Sean Miller. Well, that one passed through the Raymond Crest filter with the flying colours, I can tell you. Uh, Thanks for taking the time to send in your email, Sean. Uh, For me, it'd have to be something like a toffee crisp. For me, that's the king of the chocolate bars. You can't beat one of them with a can of lilt, can you? It's fucking beautiful. But a couple of honourable mentions, uh, such as Snickers, Lion Bars, Mars Bars, Old Jamaica, Flake, Ripple, Twirl and a Double Decker. They've got to be up there, haven't they? Uh, Kit Kat, Four Finger and Two Finger, both separate animals. Twix, Wagon Wheels, Topic. But you can fuck whispers right off, can't you? They taste like fucking fagash. I'm sure I've missed some out, but I could be here all day. I would have chosen Mint Viscount, but that's more of a biscuit, isn't it? Right, so the final email for this week goes... Dear Randall... If you could exchange places with any famous person, who would it be? Martin Abbott. Thanks for that, Martin. That's a great question. A famous person. Without a shadow of doubt, it'd have to be ex-children's TV presenter Johnny Ball in his heyday. He used to be everywhere when I was a kid and he always seemed so fucking happy. I'd love to be that happy all the time, that lucky bastard. Or Carol Vorderman, right? It'd be great to be that good at sums, wouldn't it? And if you ever got bored of doing big sums, you could just pass the time looking at your knockers, couldn't you? I would have gone with someone like Ron Jeremy, you know, the porn star, but after a while you get bored of looking at fannies, and no one wants to get bored of looking at fannies, do they? Plus it's in deep shit for all those rapes, allegedly. So, on to reviews. Feels like ages since we've done one of these. Now, coming up a bit later in the podcast, we've got a film review requested by a listener, but for now we're going to review a film of the list of greatest films of all time. Now, a few people have asked me where do I get a copy of this list of greatest films of all time, and I'll tell them do what I did and nick it off the Dark Corridors website. Now, today's film is a French film from 1992, and it happens to be a first, as it's the first documentary we've done. And it's directed by three blokes who also happen to appear in the film. Uh, I'm not going to embarrass myself by attempting to pronounce their names. Right, so we're following a bloke called Ben, who just so happens to be a serial killer. Now, he ain't your normal run-of-the-mill serial killer, as he starts off a bit of a classy fella. 
Anyway, the people who are making the documentary want to learn the craft behind becoming a killer and follow this bloke Ben around whilst he goes around casually knocking off people using various techniques such as stabbing, strangling and shooting or as your serial killer calls them, the three S's. Now, this film is packed full of useful tips and hints, uh, especially on how to dispose of bodies. There's quite a handy tip on how body size can alter the need for ballast should you decide to plump for bunging your corpse in the local canal. Now, for some reason, this bloke, he gives a big long talk on how the architecture of where he lives in France is shite, and that's why he likes to bugger around doing a fuckload of murders. Then he goes on about how it's more cost-effective to kill old sods, as they've got loads of cash and are easier to do murders at. I tell you what, the long list of old bastards I'd like to bump off, starting with Raymond fucking Cress. But I've gone off topic there, haven't I? Uh, so, he nips off to visit some old bag who he's going to kill, and instead of shooting her, he just sort of shouts at her, and she has an heart attack and dies, and he says, saves me a bullet. Then he goes around the house, finding loads of money, then he go off for a slap-up feed to celebrate, and he pukes all down himself. Now, this killer bloke hides in an old building, and when they're filming, one of the film crew gets shot by some other bad bastards who were hiding out there. Now there are a couple of Italian bastards and Ben shoots them to death and finds a film crew are following them about and our killer gets his film crew to kill him for shits and giggles. Anyway, it all starts to get out of hand and basically they run around town doing murders, rapes and all sorts of bad shit. Then Ben gets knocked out in a boxing match, then he has a birthday party, then shoots a bloke in the head and they all carry on as normal. Ben then decides to do a murder of a postman but fucks it up and the postman tells the coppers who arrest Ben and put him in prison. Must be a bloody wank prison because ten minutes later they let Ben, who's done like a thousand murders, escape. Anyway, meet up with the film crew and they find out that the family of the Italians that they shot earlier on are trying to kill him and everyone who Ben visits has been murdered. Right? The Italians finally track Ben down and everyone gets killed and that's sort of where it ends. Now this was a bit of an odd one and something really bothered me about this film. It was made in 1992 but it's in black and white. And as it was a film about doing killings, it was incredibly dull. Now, as murderers go, Ben is a bit of a likeable character, but as time went on, he started to get on me tits, and when he got shot in the head, I was relieved. Ratings-wise, I'm going to have to put this on a par with something like Disney's Lady and the Tramp, as the longer that film went on, the sooner I wanted it to finish. That was Man Bites a Dog. Watch that if you want to see a dead woman with a flute shoved up her arse. As I said earlier, I'm now on Emergency Permanent Furlough, or EPF for short, due to the untimely passing of colleague Robot Robert, who met his end a couple of weeks ago under a big pile of ducting. Now, unfortunately, I did see what happened, and it wasn't pretty, but on the plus side, it did happen before lunchtime, so I did help myself to the four-finger Kit Kat that was in his lunchbox, so swings and roundabouts there. Now, the whole of White and Bailey Fabrications did have to be closed, whilst the Health and Safety Executive carried out a full appraisal of what happened. Uh, preliminary, prelim, oh, can't say that word, preliminary, preliminary. Uh, early investigations seem to focus on the fact that the ducting appears to have been stacked by either a half-wit who didn't know what they were doing or a belligerent fool who couldn't have given a toss for people's welfare. But I did say to Mr White that I'd stacked that ducting, so that's a load of bullshit. Mr White said that he could be facing a lawsuit if Robert Roberts' family decide to sue but I told him not to worry as I didn't think they'd be that arsed as his wife ran off with his brother and the twins haven't spoke to him since before the millennium. 
Now he did say that the health and safety executive have the power to shut him down indefinitely, which would be catastrophic for his HS2 contract. I tried to put his mind at rest and say I'd gladly say that Robot Robert did it to himself and there wouldn't be any evidence to contradict me as I'd fucked up the cameras as soon as it happened. Then Mr White said to me, how do you sleep at night? And I said, usually I watch a film, have a quick wank, then I'm out like a light. Films that what I would like to see. Films that what I would like to see, the occasional section of our podcast where I pitch a film idea that I would like to see. Now today's film is a biopic called Common Threads. And this film would focus on the work of Joseph Whitworth, who in 1841 standardised the size and angle of threads on industrial nuts and bolts to a 55 degree angle, revolutionising the industry. Now this film would catch up with Joseph in early 1864 when he clashed heads with American William Sellers who proposed a 60 degree angle which increased load hold and cut down on the turns needed to tighten the bolts. Who will win in this battle of wills? Probably going to star Benedict Cumberbatch's stiff upper lip Joseph Whitworth and someone like Sam Rockwell as the cocky William Sellers. As always if there's any film companies out there who are interested in this then please drop me a line. And if any listeners out there have got any ideas for films they'd like to see, you can get in touch. The email address is randallparker1971 at gmail.com. Great stuff. Films that what I would like to see. A bit of an update on The Dark Corridor, who a few weeks ago sent me off on a wild goose chase to interview Queen of Kung Fu, Cynthia Rothrock. Now, I did have his address from when he used to run that DVD rental service and I borrowed Big Gregor with a milky eye off Party Janet and sent him off to the Dark Corridor's house to beat the ever-living shit out of him. But unfortunately, the Dark Corridor's neighbour said he'd gone off on a city break to Prague and that was 350 quid down the drain. Randall Parker's Film Face-Off Right, so on to today's Film Face-Off. Now, both of these films have a fairly similar plot running through both of them. Man steals a loaf of bread, goes to jail, given loads of cash by someone, gains political office, takes part in a rebellion against the government. Both have a long-standing feud with one specific government official who ultimately influences his enemy to defeat himself. That's right, today's film face-off is The Shouting Match Les Miserables and the Disney classic Aladdin. Aladdin has Robbie Williams as the genie, but Les Miserables does have Wolverine in the main part. Now, both of these films have songs in them. Aladdin's songs are beautifully crafted and well sung, whereas in Les Miserables they are shouted at you by Wolverine and the bloke of Gladiators. Uh, Les Miserables has some exciting chase scenes, whereas Aladdin has a flying carpet. Aladdin has a believable love story, whereas Les Miserables has a half-cocked one with the girl out of Mamma Mia and Stephen Hawking's. But for me, there's something special about seeing Anne Hathaway sitting on a bed with a bald head blotting with snot running down her face that's just so magical. And so, that's why the winner of Film Face-Off this week is Les Miserables. Randall Parker's Film Face-Off Mr Watt said to me that the other day that once Mum and him are married, Mum's got to move into his house. And he said that I'm going to have to move out on my own. Uh, but I said to him that I'd just stay when Mum fucks off but he weren't having none of that. He said that what with him being a landlord, he'd probably want to move a family in and make a bit of extra cash. But he did say that he could have a word with a mate of his who's on the council and he might be able to get me one of those bungalows near the daycare centre. It's not ideal, but it's quite handy for the shops and it's near the student nurses' accommodation. They did what? 
plots onto the section of the podcast that points out things that happened in films years ago, but now when we look back at them, are fucking disgusting. Now, today's film is something described as one of the greatest films of all time. Now, it's not missing in action too, but gone with the wind. Now, we're not talking about the way the fat lass who won the Oscar for playing Mammy, how they made her sit at the back of the room just because she was black, which in itself was fucking wrong. Now, we're talking about something that actually happened in the film. Uh, now, there's a scene in there's a scene where Rhett Butler is absolutely pissed and he's not getting his tip in and he wants a quick ride. Now, his wife, Scarlett, says, now, nah, Fanny Land's closed, love. Uh, but he says fuck that and he drags her upstairs and basically rapes her but next morning she don't call the police she's quite happy with it all and does him a big fry up I'm sorry but no matter how many Oscars this one that ain't right they did what? Donna from next door managed to land herself in a bit of bother last week when she got caught doing a bit of large shoplifting she would have probably got away with it if she'd have steered clear of the frozen food section and not shoved those four packets of pork chops up a jumper uh, she was just about to make it through the main doors of Asda when she collapsed from hypothermia and it was only when security guard Nine Finger Freddy stuck his hand up atop to Copperfield he found the contraband. Anyway, she got whisked off down the nick and she used a one phone call to ring me up and ask me if I'd pick her kids up from school and keep an eye on them till she got home. Jackson spent most of the afternoon staring at the pattern on the hall wallpaper whilst Mum sat with John Wick on her lap, both of them happily watching Peppa Pig, Mum passing comment on how Peppa Pig would look lovely on a bap covered in brown sauce. About six o'clock, Jackson's medicine starts to wear off and he kicks fuck out the rubber plant. That's never going to recover. Then he started to drag his arse up and down the hall rug like a dog with worms. Vanish ain't going to shift them marks, I can tell you. Anyway, but uh, one call to Janet and she managed to sort him out with his usual tipple. Anyway, Donna finally turned up to pick her kids up a full day and a half later after going out on the piss to celebrate her freedom. Randall's Requests, sponsored by Janet's 24-hour party services. Right on to Randall's Requests, now sponsored by Janet's 24-hour party services. Sort of everything you could possibly need for a good time with one single phone call. Now this week's request comes from a chap in mid-Glamorgan called Ivor Longan and it's from 2012, directed by a chap called Sean Anders, and it's called That's My Boy. Now, this has got Adam Sandals in it, and he plays a bloke called Donny Berger. Now, bear in mind that this is supposed to be a comedy, and it starts off with a lady teacher shagging a 12-year-old boy. Now, the teacher, who is shagging him, gets up the door and goes to prison, and he gets the kid and becomes famous. Anyway, 30 years go past, and he's now an alcoholic wanker who no one likes, and his son, who is 28, has fucked right off and changed his name. Now Donny needs a fuckload of cash to pay off the taxman and a TV show are offering him a load of cash if he can get his son to prison to sort of have a family reunion with the boy's mum. Now he tracks down his son, who's now a successful lawyer, who's about to get married and he's changed his name from Han Solo to Todd. Yeah, it is as crap as it sounds. Anyway, Donny turns up for some reason and doesn't say he's Todd's dad but says he's his best... Oh, fuck this, fuck this, it's shit. It was fucking bad, I can tell you. It was... I can't be arsed with it, I tell you. Anyways, all comes out in the wash, everybody's happy, and there's some granny shagging thrown in for good measure. That was That's My Boy. Watch that if you want to start a film off with statutory rape and end it with incest. Randall's Requests. Sponsored by Janet's 24-hour party services. I've got the old place to myself this afternoon, Mr White. He's taken Mum down to Arkea at Wensbury. Uh, normally she don't like me being in the house alone for too long, but Mr White managed to persuade her, saying, he's a big boy now. 
Anyway, they've gone to Ikea not to buy anything, just to sit in the car park. Uh, they've got a flask and they're going to watch all the blokes trying to load too much stuff into the cars whilst the wives shout at them to see if that'll help. Randall's Classics. So, now onto a new section of the podcast. Well, I say new, it's basically the same as Randall recommends, but with old films, right? What I'll do in this section is I'll sort of do a mini-review of what, what I would describe as a classic. And this week, we're going to take a look at a film from 1969 called The Italian Job. Now, if you've ever been short of something to do with a bank holiday weekend, then you've bound to have seen this film. Now, I'm sure you all know the story. It's about a bloke who sort of comes out of prison, and instead of being a good lad, he comes up with an idea to nick a load of gold off some Italians all the way over in Italy. Now, he wants to be careful, doesn't he, because we learned from our first film, is don't fuck with Italians. They're quite big on revenge. Now, he comes up with the magical idea of doing it with a load of minis and Benny Hill. And they grab the gold and have a fucking marvellous car chase all over Italy, skidding around, doing handbrake turns, all that sort of stuff. It all goes to plan, and it looks like they're going to get away with all the gold until the controversial ending. Now, a lot of people do sort of get angry at the ending of this film as they end up with the bus half hanging off a cliff. Now, if you look at the type of bus, which is a modified Legionnaire-bodied Bedford VAL-14, the fuel tank is situated at the back of the bus. And knowing how heavy gold is and working out how heavy diesel is, if they ran the engine until the tank was quarter full, then they'd be able to send the smallest bloke to slowly pass the gold up to the front of the bus so it was heavier at the front. And what with the VAL-14 having the engine situated under the front floor and being front-wheel drive, then this would give the bus more traction on the front wheels and then it would be able to pull itself up and to safety and they'd be on their merry way. But I think that's sort of implied, isn't it? Get it fucking watched. Randall's Classics Well, that wraps up another jam-packed episode of our PFC. Got a great ring to it, that, hasn't it? Uh, You can always contact the podcast via email, randallparker1971 at gmail.com. Contact me if you've got any questions, requests for films, or just want to say hi. I know I always say it, but I really would love to hear from you. Catch you next time. Ta-da for a bit. (laughs)